0: Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great podcast, Swagoo and Perk, an ESPN podcast led by its namesake hosts Marcus Spears, Swagoo and Kendrick Perkins, with new episodes every Tuesday morning. Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news as well as a look inside their lives, career journey with can't miss conversations. That's Swagoo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts and also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the right time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Just want to let you know off the top, the Right Time Book Club starts on June 13th. The book is King of the World by David Remnick. It's a great biography of a younger Muhammad Ali. Be sure to check that out. But you know, this is the time of week where we have a guest join us. It is one of our favorite guests. I don't know if I have more fun. Do I have anybody on here than our man who has his number retired in San Antonio? He, I bet he wanted to snatch it off the Marcus Aldridge back. His name is Bruce Bowen. Bruce, what's going on? Boy, I
1: tell you, you find new and creative ways to bring this show to another level. And I'm
0: all <laughs> for it. I'm all for it. I'm just saying, it, it. man, that was good <laughs> of you. But I just wonder sometimes when you take it out the Raptors, you be like, hey, dog, you can't be doing it like that if I'm going to do this, though.
1: You know, it's one of those things from the the ego standpoint. I felt like this when it all transpired, Both, I was like, you know what? Why am I going to say, no, he can't. I felt like it would have brought more negative attention on me. So my thing is, the best thing for me to do is, all right, go ahead, man. Hey, I hope you're able to accomplish something with it. I said, but you got to understand, you know, if you plan on going to the Raptors, what Raptors, what, 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 what's your number going to be? You know, 12, 2.0 or, or what? But no, man, I just felt like if I would, I would have been that angry black man that was over there just mean and just, uh, <clears throat> no but bruce what's the big deal it's still in a rafters so what no I want to. yeah
0: y'all would have been killing me for that well i think the other thing too and just so you know i'm not saying this to send it to your therapist right but i imagine that the day they called you and were like yo we're retiring your jersey like did you expect that you know because like different teams have different standards like the lakers you got to make the hall of fame right it's a completely different game but as Ooh. good as you were and as much as you contributed It's not like, okay, well, we know when Bruce stopped, they go retire his jersey. Like, I imagine the honor for you had to be such a big deal because it was so particular to the contribution to a family of sorts, if that makes sense.
1: It was very different because everyone understood what I brought to the table. And and to the credit of everyone else, everyone always said things like, yo, they don't win those championships without Bruce. It wasn't one of those situations where, you know, you kind of join a team and you have a good month. And you contribute for that month, but other than that, it's not a lot going on. So the way Pop did it was in classic pop form. Me and my kids, we went to the game and we're walking through the tunnel, and Pop drives up and says, hey, well, hey, hey, uh, um, uh, just want to let you know something. I'm like, now I'm like, well, what, what's up? What's up? He's like, uh, we're putting your number in the Raptors," and he takes off. So it's not even I
0: can't kind of
1: like, wait, did he just did he just say? And everyone, I think you talk about an organization that that sets trends, that that tend to do things in a different way, a different manner. They were able to do something where they acknowledge, you know, a role player as far as his contribution to the team. It's not always about that guy who's giving you 20 and 10 each and every night, but it's about that individual who has an intricate role, an intricate part, because there's so many things and different dynamics that go into that, that... I have to be okay with my role and I have to also be okay with not getting shots at times. But for me, I was real good with it because, hey, I'm still
0: doing what I do. All right. Now we got a lot to get to with these NBA playoffs going on right now. I want to talk to you first about the Tuesday night game, the Heat and the Celtics. And I know Marcus Smart is your guy. He wasn't able to play in that game. But I feel like Miami's got to be the type of team, like when you start talking about teams doing things in a particular way and culture and all Mm -hmm. of that stuff, like Miami is kind of the flag bearer for that right now. And Mm -hmm. I feel like they're going to win the East. I thought they were going to win either they or Milwaukee were going to win the East from the very beginning. But I'm curious what you thought about last night's game because the Celtics got up big and then the Heat just decided that that thing needed to be over.
1: To your credit, Bo, yeah, Miami is like a dinosaur in this game where Heat culture is something that is not about what others are. They don't take a lot of days off. They believe in the work because that's the only way that you're able to truly attain the highest level of levels is through the work process. And it doesn't matter who you are. You're going to go to work when you get there. So watching early on yesterday, I felt like Boston, they they have more depth, I believe, than the Miami Heat. And what they did early on in that game was they were attacking the paint. You were like, where's the rim protector for Miami heat, you know, out of bios getting caught and the rotations were a little slow. And and that tends to happen when you've had some time off, but I don't think you can guarantee or rely on Jimmy Butler going for 40 each and every night, there's going to be some games where Jimmy's not that guy and Who else is going to be that guy? Because it's easy to get going when things are rolling. But when that jump shot's not falling, Tyler Hero, you know, when he's not getting into the paint, when he's not able to finish, then the things get a little quirky. And that's what you saw early on, I believe, in that game in the first half. But they turned the defense up. And I think that Boston kind of relaxed a little bit. You saw in Jason Taylor, I mean, the turnovers he had in the second half, that's uncharacteristic of who he is. And I believe that there was a switch that went from on to off within the Boston Celtics. And it happens with younger teams. And this is where missing Al Horford on the floor yesterday really hurt Boston because that veteran can give you things at at a certain moment, just as Marcus Smart was talking to the guys. That's all fine and dandy, but he wasn't out there. So it doesn't matter. I got a story for you. 2013, when Miami's playing San Antonio, I'm there And I remember the next day speaking with Tony, Tim, and Manu. And I say that I had encouraging words. I was a guy that was a voice in the locker room, but I was no longer a player during that championship for them. And so even though I sat in Tony's room for two hours, sat with Manu for another hour and a half, and then Tim, I was so doggone tired, we just went to eat. So even though I was able to talk to the guys and try to get their heads right, Being that I wasn't on the floor, I couldn't give them anything. So you need that person on the floor to kind of get things back together. I love what Marcus Smart was doing as far as trying to rally the troops and get guys going. But, you know, it's hard to buy into that when you're looking like, you know, Miami Vice out there and got your button down to the to the (laughs) to the navel and showing your medallion and your taco meat right there. Let
0: me tell you something. When I saw him in that fit, I knew exactly what he said when he bought that fit. I'm aware that the next time I go to Miami, it ain't matter if it was the conference finals, the off season, whatever it is. He had just decided, I'm wearing that the next time.
1: Definitely, but you know, Miami brings that out in folks. It's right. He been in Boston. It's cold. It's still chilly. You getting that that great weather and that humidity just tends to do something to you. You start thinking of old things. You know, bad boys, bad boys. <laughs> what you gonna do? So I
0: ain't gonna lie though. I got to get me a couple of the short sets for the summer. Like I ain't never really been about that, but I I I'm kind of feeling that short set life right no, now. No no no. No, no,
1: no, 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 no. That some of these, some of these short sets need to die out at the swap meet. Like <laughs> when I
0: used to go to the El Camino swap meet in L.A.
1: So. Man, I I see some of the things going on. I'm like, the way guys are dressing now, they're going to make the NBA enforce a dress code. (laughs) They're going to bring it back. What's up with the T-shirts and the hats on on the bench? (laughs) I was taught that you didn't wear a hat indoors. Only ones that wear hats indoors are baseball players. And you understand why. And golfers. But come on, man. There's nothing wrong with a nice nice fitted suit or a nice dress shirt. You know, play the role.
0: Let me ask you this. And I feel like such an old man on this, but I really feel this way. I hate that the coaches don't wear suits anymore. You know what it is? Because
1: this is what you see in AAU basketball and high school basketball. You see coaches wearing, you know, these golf polos and things like that. Where is the professionalism of it all? And that's the thing. NBA, you were, you separated yourself from any other league. Even in college, even when college coaches wore suits or a sweater, you were just kind of like, yeah, but you're not the NBA, you know, that, that next step. So they need to have that, I believe. But, you know, when we went through that crazy time of COVID, everything just changed. And so now hopefully, you know, Adam will say, you know, it's, it's starting to look very uh, AAU-ish. So we need to get back to our professionalism.
0: I thought it made sense for them to wear like the quarter zips in the bubble, right? Like let's not pretend like yeah, let's not pretend like this ain't what it is, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'd be so bad if I was in there in hard bottom shoes and wasn't nobody watching. Like on that I got it, but I always like it to me it's part of the game. Now it's a little different now that everybody get a stylus or whatever. But I liked it better when like you knew Pat Riley was the fly dude. You knew Doug Moe couldn't dress. You know what I'm saying? Like you knew it added to the color and the personality of it. And now all them dudes just seem the same to me.
1: Man, there is no separation. There is no, well, I'm here and you're there. But, you know, Pat Riley still wears that suit. He still got, he got a collar named after him. And I was with my suit person. And I said, you want the Pat Riley collar? I was like, well, oh, yeah. Let me have the Pat Riley collar <laughs>
0: then.
1: You know, I understand things change as we, as we grow and and I think that uh, it's nothing wrong with showing a little professionalism on that bench, especially if you're not playing. Don't, don't wear Don't wear it. Don't wear no shorts and a T-shirt. Come on. <laughs> and then the T-shirt. Now, now, mind you, this T-shirt that they are wearing probably cost two hundred dollars. Now, is it is it not going to ever shrink? Because <laughs> I think they all shrink
0: in, or something
1: fades <laughs> on it. But my, come on, fellas, y'all can do better than that.
0: Uh, let me ask you this about Boston, because you brought it up and you mentioned them being a young team. Do they really mm-hmm. still count as a young team? Like I look at Jalen Brown, six years in the league, a lot of playoff experience. Jason Tatum, five years in the league, a lot of playoff experience. Marcus Smart, I want to say eight years in the league, a lot of playoff experience. You know, they got dudes like Robert Williams, you know, and Peyton Pritchard that are getting minutes. I guess they're definitely not old because Al Horford's the no. only guy that comes close to being old. Right. I look at them and I feel like sometimes we forget that they really are a battle-tested units.
1: Well, I'll say this, Bomani, is that even though Jason and Brown are six and seven years in, but you got to realize they only went to one year of college. True. So they had to spend three years in the NBA trying to learn the game at the NBA level, and it takes time, man. It takes time. You can't just go into playoff series and say, oh, okay, we won this, and that means we're going to win the next. They have had the fortunate opportunity of having game sevens and being able to recognize, I think, in film sessions where Emay can say, hey, look at here, if we don't get this rebound, maybe Jason Tedden doesn't lay the ball up at the end of the uh, shot clock and we lose the game. So those are all building moments for young clubs. And I feel this way and I feel passionate about this is that there are so many lessons that younger players get to learn in college. Two and three years in college does wonders for kids. That's why you have so many now, you know, they may have gone lottery and you don't know where they are now. They may have gone in the first round, they're bouncing around, bouncing around, bouncing around. And you say, well, what is it? Well, the NBA is a business. And in that business, it's about winning or improving. So this individual who maybe had a standout year in college, now, if he stays another year to learn how to deal with double teams or learn how to read defenses or recognize where the rotation is coming from. So many kids run a pick and roll nowadays, but they're running a pick and roll solely for themselves. They don't look at the roll guy or they don't look at that cross corner guy where the help is happening. All that stuff takes time and not everyone has a wherewithal upstairs like a Kevin Garnett or a Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, and even Chris Paul coming out. Chris Paul, was a coach on the floor early in his career because it just happened for him and so many times people want to say things like oh I can do that I remember many a times thinking I was doing the same dance that my sister was doing but it looked nothing (laughs) like what my sister was doing
0: (laughs) that's real though and I think so I thought it came in handy for Boston in that game seven against Milwaukee right huge they had been there like if that's Milwaukee defending champions against a team that hadn't been in a situation like that. I don't care how the shots are going. I think Giannis just gets it because Giannis got it like that. But the fact that they had been there and, of course, you know, horseshoe up their ass hitting all them shots, because that's part of it, too, is that they just made so many three-pointers.
1: And this is the other thing. They did not capitalize. I'm talking about Milwaukee at this particular moment. They did not capitalize on the struggles of the three-ball being shot in the first half against Boston in Game 7. In the second half, they just said, okay, we'll give that guy that shot. Now, Visions are professionals, too. They're going to improve because they work on this stuff. When you get shook up here for that split second, just shook right here and between the ears, that does something. But it also gives you another situation that can happen. And that's, okay, well, they're not coming to me. Okay, I can shoot this freely. And so then you start seeing the three balls fall. One thing I thought when it comes to the defense aspect of things, I thought that Milwaukee didn't come out with purpose in a defensive aspect, against Jason Tatum. After him hitting seven threes in the game before, there's no way I'm letting him get comfortable from beyond a three. Now, yes, he might drive, whatever, but that takes energy. That takes rotations of the defense as well. But you don't want to give the go-to guys the easy looks. And that's what I felt like they that happened there. But it's, it's one of those things that some folks feel like, well, the more threes we get up, the better off we are. I don't feel that way still. I don't think that everybody should be licensed to shoot threes because now when you shoot that three, you're not making them just as we saw with Boston. And I looked at the score and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, they're down now. They were up when they went into halftime, but that three ball wasn't falling and you have transition opportunities. And transition opportunities get teams going. Now you get them, they're back at home. Jimmy Butler is getting to spots like it was like no one there. So sometimes you need to work it around a little bit. Use some of that shot clock because it is the playoffs. You don't want to get up and down like it's the regular season.
0: Yeah, I think teams overall in the league are recognizing. As you look, with the three best players in the league this year, were definitely big men: Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid. Just because Steph Curry could shoot threes like that Man, doesn't boy, mean you, uh, everybody. And by the way. You know who isn't shooting threes like that anymore? Steph Curry, right? Like even Steph Curry can't shoot like Steph Curry at this point in his career. And so I looked at everybody and I got it. They're like, you know, three is bigger than two. And I get that. But Howard Bryant made a good point. What you're missing in that is how many shots get missed. And then what happens after those shots get missed? Like all these guards with these big rebounding numbers, ain't because guards got better at rebounding. is because they're getting the rebound now at 15 feet. And now you can go back the other way.
1: Bomani, the more times, and this is what you see with Golden State, even though they have a team with three individuals, Poole, Clay, Steph, they have a green light from the three-ball area. But you don't see them jacking up as many threes as some of these unknown guys that you, they're like, where did he go to school? Is he a three-point shooter? And it's a copycat league. We understand that. But at the same time, unless you have guys like Golden State then you cannot mimic what Golden State does. You have to build on your strengths. That's what made Detroit so special in the 2000s. They were hard-nosed. They were going to allow Chauncey to create at different times, but he also could dump it in to Rasheed Wallace and put Ben in that dunker spot. So if you decide to double Rasheed, he's going to drop it off to Ben. Ben's going to duck it. At the same time, you have Rip running all day. See, and obviously that was Dumars who was the creator of that, but... Where is the creativity of the body of work that you have within the NBA now? You cannot just keep putting these kids out here and say, okay, all right, do your thing. Because that's exactly what AAU basketball is. It's, all right, I got four of the top. uh, How many stars you want to put on these kids? I don't know where to get these doggone stars, but they got all these stars. But if you tell them, go set a screen and then come off a double, they'll look at you like, "Say, say, what? No, just give me the ball and they need seven dribbles to do something. No, in this game, for you to be effective, you do it in two dribbles. That means keep it simple. Not everybody has the license of what Kyrie and Kevin Durant have. They're exceptional talents, and I think that's what's missing today because everybody puts an elite on something when everybody is not elite. It's okay being a solid player because if you're a solid player playing with an elite guy, Next thing you know, you have the opportunity to win championships.
0: Yeah, I once checked out uh, pretty high level AAU programs practice, right? They were basically practicing, get the ball off the glass, get down the court, set up as quick as possible, spread it out, you know, and then go from there. But the coach made a point to me that I really hadn't thought about. He's just like, yo, man, how much time you think I give with them? Like for the AAU guy, they don't have time to be running like three hour practices and all of this stuff. But the problem is because of the prevalence of AAU, the significance of high school is so much lower. And it's like high school is where all that stuff you're talking about, like foundational stuff is should be laid down. But I don't know how much these cats, especially because they go to different high school every year, how much they respect (laughs) those people. You know what I mean? So my thing, I coach high school basketball now, Bomani, and we were fortunate enough. We got to state this year. We lost a double
1: overtime. And the first overtime, we didn't get a rebound. That's why it led to the second one. And that resonates in my head until we start practicing again. So what I found in AAU as well as high school basketball, because so many parents are being told that their kid is, whoa, oh, he nice. That's what's being said. And someone that has experienced college, MBA, they have no voice because they're not telling the parents what the parents want to hear. If anything, they may say what they need to hear is that, hey, your son is 6'9". Don't make him into a stretch four right now. Allow him to be comfortable playing with his back to the basket and have some big man moves, and then you build out. But what's happening is just the opposite. Six-nine, put him out there on the three. The big got to come guarding. And I've seen kids that are so uncomfortable. It's like somebody stuck kryptonite in Superman's pockets. He can't do nothing. And I'm saying, you are six five. And you know this being from Houston, they just growing big in the state of Texas. You get kid, six, nine, 14 years old, but he can't do a jump hook. He can't do a drop step. He doesn't know what the mic and drill is. And that is what's so bad today. But you know what? Bomani, they have time to practice, but these coaches don't know what to work on. All they see is what, oh, Dan Tony ran is dribble handoff, dribble handoff. I'm going to do that. And then when it gets stopped, now they're like, uh, uh, do this. No, man, we have to teach kids. It's just as well, Mani, you didn't come out of college and just step on the scene to where you are now. You, you built, you Mm -hmm. learn, and you watch others. You took a little something from someone. You continue to be nurtured in your craft. There's less nurturing in the craft today than it's ever been because you have such great athletes. See, You look at Dwight Howard right now, great athlete in Orlando, but was never a basketball player, didn't have the skill set of basketball. And I say skill set because some people are going to be like, what do you mean? He was defensive player of the year. He was, yes, he was a very good athlete that was able to do things on the court. But when that back injury happened, what did he have to fall back on? See, a basketball skill set, you're able to go here, go there. Robert Ory. Robert Orr figured out a way to defend, knock down threes, make basketball plays, and give, give you whatever you need because of his skill set. He was athletic, but he had a skill set. And that's not a knock on Dwight Howard. It's just the facts of so many guys now, you look at how big they are. You like, especially in the state of Texas, you say, man, that boy needs to have his knuckles in the dirt. <laughs>
0: knuckles
1: in the defensive end, boy. You get to that quarterback. Hmm. But you can't do that in basketball. You got to have finesse in this game.
0: And by the way, Robert Ori stopped throwing the ball in the third row. Like, I remember when they tried to trade him for Sean Elliott and then the physical came back. You'd be watching Rockets games like, dog. Why do you think Akeem is in the third row? Right. Like he just be throwing he throw, he, he throw the ball anywhere and then come down the court I'm like what y'all looking at me for. Because you threw What'd the I ball do?
1: in the third row. It was A, hey, hey, it was a little flex off 454 <laughs> on his yes, hands. Yes. You know? Yes. Yes. Cause, Cause you know that's what all of them had on. It smelled like one one big senior <laughs> citizen home <laughs> in the gym.
0: <laughs> Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass, subscription required. I want to ask you about what's going on in the West, because Luka's like a running topic on this show, because I think that Luca is incredible, but I, then I got people trying to say he's better after four years than Jordan, and then I want to fight people, right? Like, it just...
1: Then wait, then, then who?
0: Michael Jeffrey Jordan.
1: That's... that's... Yes. That's, those are, those, yeah, are, yeah, those yeah. are
0: Instagram folks. Yeah.
1: OK, so I'm, I'm going to dive in right now because this this is this. Woo-hoo. Obviously, he is a special talent, special talent from the standpoint that he's been playing at a high level a lot longer than a lot of other guys. Right. So he's able to adapt even more. And and where it takes other guys a little bit more time, you got to look at what's around you now. And the trust that they have in him and some of the pieces that are there. Luca is very good, but at the same time, one guy
0: can't beat a team. One guy cannot. Oh, this is what I keep. Like, people get mad at me about this. I had a long running <laughs> thing on Twitter with people about this. And I think, I really think they misunderstood what I was saying. My thing was not that he isn't excellent and that he doesn't do incredible things I think there's a level of overrating that does take place with him but it's not because he's not good it's
1: not overrating it's just it's too much information on him it's just constantly you turn a book hey he's on the front page oh he's on this he's on this chat oh he's got on the poster it's just you see him so much and 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 it's not that he's overrated. It's just that you see so much yeah. of them. But you have to also understand this, Bomani, is that when has Dallas ever had anything to be so proud of other than Dirk, Steve Nash and Michael Finley?
0: Oh, yeah. No, no, no. This is totally different. Right. Like I get okay. it. And, and it's a and I think on the macro issue beyond just Dallas. Like, let's be real about it. I'm not saying this is Shay. Hey, man, a whole lot of people want him to be this. Right. Like there's a desire for him to be that good because we ain't had a white dude like this one in a long time when he first got there I was like look man ain't gonna be no black people out here putting uh, this white man name on their back and wearing his jersey (laughs) man please them dudes in Dallas is like you keep that Dak Prescott (laughs) jersey dog let me get that Luca like he's star in that way but I just feel like and I was curious your perspective on this you know as a role player in this and playing with Tim Duncan who was maybe the most offensively unselfish superstar that we've ever had, right? You just got to let dudes have the ball sometimes. Like the yeah. numbers even bear it out that if he gets the ball into somebody's hands early in the possession, they do a lot better than they do when he's just like, nobody can guard me. Which nobody can guard you anytime down the floor. Right. But that'll mean you go take the dude every time down the floor. And that's my point about him is just that you'll be better if you give those guys more chances, even if you don't think they're good.
1: And I think he's learned to trust him, especially when he couldn't play in that first series. The fact that he saw what Brunson was able to do, did what he was able to, Finney Smith was able to do, it gives you a different perspective where he's paid to be that dude. And sometimes it's the hardest thing is to trust some of those guys that are in the locker room with you. But this is where I think Jason Kidd, Nico Harrison, the GM, has helped Luca with being able to share it in a way because Jason Kidd has had to deal with so many different types of personalities, keeping guys happy. You know, I need the ball, I need the ball, I need the ball. And he was able to get everyone to rock. Nico Harrison dealing with Nike guys, you know, all these different egos that he had to deal with, now they're able to say, hey, Luca, you know, Michael Jordan, he tried to do it on his own for a long time and and he played at a high level and everybody knew he was the great greatest in the game at that time but until he started dropping that thing off trusting others and we still got to understand how young he is and those things just you have to deal with the mindset of what goes on in today's game as far as all the wonderful information. One thing that Greg Popovich used to always say is that, <laughs> Bruce, that was a nice article that guy wrote on you, huh? And, you know, like, what article, Pop? I don't know what you're talking about. I knew exactly what he talking about. He said, but you know what? He got a job to do. As soon as you go two for 10, he's going to say things about you that you don't think are kind. <laughs> and once you realize that, it's like, oh then it it gives you a different perspective. It's not your fault, Beaumont, that you always antagonize me with stuff that you think I was, was not in the rules of the game. It's not your fault. You've been trying to do that to bother me. But at the same time, I can get past that. We're seeing, I think, a transitional stage right now, just as Jokic had to go through, you know, just as LeBron had to go through. Everyone had to go through it, but... I think what you say, we haven't seen a player from that Serbian culture do it quite like this. Now, you know, the fact that we had Drazen Petrovic back in the day, you know, he was doing things, but he wasn't what Luka is. Right. He, brought, he brought sexy to the game, but Luka does it at, a, at his own pace, number one, because he ain't trying to, oh, I'm going to go by. It. No, but he just understands the game in a way that you can't go learn that. Those are innate abilities that he has. But, you know, I I just think that he's learning more in this time right now under J-Kid, and that's the fruit of what's transpiring.
0: Yeah, I got to take a quick jump on this, just because you mentioned uh, Petrovic (laughs) going back in the day with them European cats. What you know about my man, Sarunas Marcialonis, though? Boy. Dude, that's the one I wish people remember, boy. Marshalonis is the first time I remember seeing a dude being like, oh, they play like that in Russia?
1: (laughs) What?! (laughs) But it, Tim Hardaway used to tell me at practice, he said, man, Mitch used to have his hands full. Mitch would be like, hey, Tim, take him. And Tim was like, mm-mm, I, <laughs> I got him over here. Because, you know, that was during a time where, you know, he, he had something to prove, too. And that's the thing I love about, you know, the Serbians got, they got some swag to him. Like, hey, man, basketball was derived in our country. That's how they feel. And the way that you have them coming into the game so skilled, it makes you wonder like, well, well what, really, was it? Because of what they do and they have a passion for it and they don't
0: back down. That's the biggest thing. They seen things, Bruce. They, they, Come people, on now. People act like the, America, the only place with hoods. They, you seen them Jokic brothers? They Come seen on, things. I saw poor get run up on in the street when he was over there at the crib. They seen things.
1: And he forgot.
0: He, he <laughs> forgot.
1: He got to New York and he got to, you know, he got to have a patch in a little bit and having a good time. He went back home and, you know, if you know, it. <laughs> I don't know which ward you from. I don't even know if you're from a ward, but you know what I'm talking about when yes. I start talking about them wards. Yes. There's always that moment when you get back home, you go, "Oh, hold up! Uh, I see broken glass, <laughs> brown grass, and dirt. Lock them doors." <laughs> and now you're aware. Yeah. Zegas, he kept on, yeah, eh, he forgot. Yep. But you got to be aware, and they are aware. And those Serbian players, he un- he understands what he's doing right now. He understands this is bringing more attention to his country, and obviously every country understands everything about serbia when it comes to basketball in the olympics world cup all that stuff they know about them so what they're having an opportunity to do right now just as what manu and argentina was doing in in the 2000s we letting y'all know we here yeah we
0: here now let me ask you this question about the warriors i think there's a lot of ways to go there's so much there clay thompson my big thing is I just think we asking too much out of that dude. That dude had the two worst injuries you could have, and people thought he was going to come back as Klay Thompson, and he hasn't, and that's no shade. It's just what it is. None. But I think None. the thing that people forgot about this team because we hadn't seen him in the playoffs in a couple of years was that we had reached that point where you didn't have to guard Draymond Green. I worry for them this year about that.
1: I don't think that it was ever that situation where you didn't have to guard Draymond. It's just you didn't want Draymond taking that first shot with... 18 seconds on the shot clock see that that's a different narrative I think there was a time where he shot a shot and someone read Steve's lips and and they were like oh here it is well that's that's what coaches do if anybody shoots an early shot it's gonna be Steph or Clay. that was the case or Kevin Durant at the time but what's going on right now is that yeah Clay is not what he is but let me just give you this one Peyton now he was a defender Be that defender who was going to guard guys and and allow everyone else. And and Draymond was going to defend the interior. Now everyone's talking about, oh, what is Golden State going to do? What are they going to do? Let me tell you this, man. They got Steve Kerr there as a coach. Steve Kerr understands what you need to do to win in this game, especially at this time. He understands he's going up against a young team in Dallas, and he is just loving all the adulation that's going towards Dallas. he keep on pumping them up, pumping them up as we continue to fly under the radar. And as they fly under the radar, they are coming up with schemes of what to do when you get that ISO situation. Now, it becomes a situation where, where do you pick your poison of where you want to deal with? Do you want Benny Smith shooting the ball on the road or do you want someone else? Do you want to hit him with a double team too soon? Not really. You just want to make things as tough as you can. And if Luca is willing to take all those shots like Kobe. If Kobe was taking all the shots, does Derek Fisher get a rhythm? Does Robert Ory get a rhythm? Does Samaki Walker get an opportunity for a putback? So there's, there's pros and cons to it. But I think Golden State is going to come up with a game plan where you're going to see something and people are going to remember, oh, oh, wait, wait a minute, we're talking about the championship caliber Golden State Warriors.
0: Let Lucas score 50 and hope he wears himself out. Because what you saw like in them series against the Clippers, for example, where you're going so hard early and then their shots ain't falling late. Even game five against Phoenix, you saw that same thing happen. Like I would convince him that try to convince him that it's his world and then I would just antagonize him because he is good to lose his mind.
1: Oh, man. he it, Yeah. and I and see I the smile that.
0: on your face when I brought that up. <laughs> you were sitting right there just thinking about, oh, boy, I would be, you and Dennis Robin would just be all up in his head.
1: <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting. I've said this is that he's gotten better with things. And he has to understand that, You can't always want a foul call or you think you deserve a foul call. You have to move on to the next play. Moving on to the next play is a lot better for him than dwelling on that no call. And then you get a wide open shot and you miss it. Now I'm talking about how your mind works in the course of the game. You miss that shot because you're upset about another shot. And now your third shot comes and you do something that you shouldn't have done. All that is derived because you weren't able to move past that one unfortunate circumstance where you thought you were fouled. So if that is the case, I think he can get his stuff in increments. So the first quarter, only take four shots. Four shots, two of them layups, two of them jump shots. Just, that's it. Make sure everybody else gets theirs. See, because if you do it that way, you can still wait and bide your time to the point where fourth quarter comes and last five minutes, now we're gonna do it this way. That's what we did as a group in San Antonio. TD, here you go. We do something. He gets it to Tony. Runs some for Manu, Tony Manu. But fourth quarter, TD knew it was coming to him. That's the biggest thing. And it's different for him because Tim was a big man and Luca handles the ball. So you can control that aspect of things. But more importantly, get Finny going. Get him going. And I think everything else falls into place. Brunson's going to be all right. You also want to... With Dinwiddie, I felt like he may, maybe he came back a little too soon from his injury early on. So that's why you get the inconsistency. So I think it's important for him. Get him something where he's not putting so much pressure on himself. I felt like there's times where he presses a little bit. No need to press. Hey, you got other guys on this floor. It's not just solely about you.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it? All right, so we went through those series. I ain't worried about predictions. They, You know, weed is all guessing. I don't want to be wrong again either. Thank but you. I wanted, while we had the chance, though, to get here, the pile on of Chris Paul. Like, I am actually amazed. No shade to nobody at this company. But we just, I don't know if they knew that when they invited Patrick Beverly, he was just going to get on TV and hate for two days. I don't, I had, that I, That was a hating bonanza. And again, Patrick Beverly talking about chris paul now you could say it's me talking about patrick beverly that's fair but the pile on of chris paul has started and the one particular thing i want to talk to you about and of course you'll understand how it broadens out generally is people talk about his teams blowing 2-0 leads in playoff series right you were there in 08 when those hornets got up 2-0 and then you guys came back and won the series as the defending champions but I think the part that people are losing sight of is, how in the world did that team get the two seed that year? Because Chris Paul was amazing.
1: (laughs) Chris Paul has been amazing ever since he got into the NBA, Bo. And I say this now, I've had my run-ins with Chris, always respected his talent. I've always respected his talent because of his talent. That's why I had to play the way I did against him. Now, when you start disrespecting the talent of someone, and making it more personal. See, to me, I would never say that, oh, man, shoot, Carmelo Anthony wasn't nothing. He put my little narrow butt on the block, would have had a field that. <laughs> that, hey, as they say, that's facts. Yes. So, you know, no disrespect. You should be thrown out to someone who is as talented as he is. Chris Paul came in with the mindset that was above others at running guys on the floor. He's the coach on the floor. When he got to New Orleans, Scott was the head coach at the time, handed him the playbook, boom, he got the playbook, had the playbook from that point on through the season. This guy, people forget that it's not easy playing with savants because they see things differently. They are not the friendliest of friendly folks when it comes in between those lines. They are competitors and they have a goal. So in the fact that he is a competitor, yes, he makes teams go. When we were talking about the Clippers, oh, my goodness. Maybe now this might sound like Lil Shade I'm about to say, (laughs) but you know what, Beaumont, I don't care. (laughs) Maybe if the Clippers had a coach that was able to get them to certain places and not just let them play on their strengths and come up with somewhere. DeAndre Jordan could be more of an asset than just throwing lives to him and just defending, maybe they would have gone further. Maybe Blake Griffin wouldn't be in the position he's in now where his body is just worn down. If. They had someone that was able to do things in a way where you were running sets here and there, right. but that's, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Cause he's, he's now in Philadelphia. So <laughs> with Chris getting those guys live city was all because of Chris. And
0: people forget they were the Clippers, the Clippers. Come
1: on, come on. So for you to, I mean, he's a future hall of famer and I'll say it like this, Bomani. It's the equivalent of me talking mad trash about Vince Carter. He ain't nothing. No, Vince was half man, half amazing. When everybody remember this, when that boy did something that no one had ever seen, that's the equivalent. Like you're saying, if I said that, you would say, Bruce, you have 35 against you. Right. Like, Bomani, that doesn't matter. But for him, say that this guy doesn't defend, he's a cone. <laughs> It went from that testifying in church to the pastor saying, give me that mic (laughs) because you're saying this guy is just that. But you didn't say anything about you getting ejected last year in the playoffs against that guy. If he's such a cone, how come come he was able to advance past you? So this is where, you know, it ain't – I talk about this a lot as far as this generation of we can say things like, I'm a first-team-all defender. You can say what you want, but until the critics and those that are judging that say, you're a first-time all-defense guy, you're not going to be that. But see, when it comes to social media, you can say all this stuff and create more followers and create, oh, he, yeah, he's this, he's that, and he's on the other side. He's no longer doing this. Yeah. And sometimes guys try to figure out ways to keep themselves alive, keep themselves in a point where a GM says, you know what, we need him." We need a guy like that. That's all that is. And it's unfortunate because it goes back to, hey, you're part of the same fraternity, the NBA. But it's not the first time anybody has had ill will towards someone. It's just the first time someone says it quite like they do, and they look really bad doing
0: it. Yeah, like the analogy I made with Chris right fast, and I think you'll understand where I'm coming from here. He is a maestro right? Just an incredible, you do this, you do that, everything else, and the music will be beautiful. But the playoffs is like a concert and you need James Brown, right? Like you can be the maestro, but Chris Paul, and it's hard for a six foot guy to be this. He ain't going to be the guy on the mic when it's like, yo, all we got is drums. Like the electricity went out. You can't hear the guitar. All you can hear is the drums. And it's just going to be me and these drums. And that's not his fault. But he's also never played with a guy who, if he wasn't bringing it like that, could be like, all right, dog, on me. Even James Harden, because you couldn't trust James Harden.
1: No. You know, Nate Archibald had Larry Bird. Right. Robert Parrish. He had Kevin McHale. Right. Those are three Hall of Famers right there.
0: Yo, there's one guy who's pulled this off, and it's Isaiah. And that's why people sleep on Isaiah. On my back, boys. We're heading to the promised land.
1: But even, even with Isaiah, now you're talking about Thomas.
0: Yeah. uh the the uh, Detroit yes yes OG 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 Zeke Zeke yes <laughs>
1: but even with Zeke he had Joe Dumas. yeah Bill Laimbeer he had south Sal- he had other guys that could contribute Buddha oh man Buddha was doing his thing right. with them but he had others that could take off some of that pressure too and it's just unfortunate like okay so well Chris was in LA he had the Clippers yeah he had Blake amazing athlete he had DeAndre, who's an athlete. He had J.J. Reddick, who, you know, yeah, you can run screens for him, but that's not that's not Kevin McHale. That's not Joe Dumas. That's not Lambeard. Beard. Those are those guys. So for what he's been able to do with the teams that he's been with, amazing. Amazing. Because you can't just get there with different teams and have that success. You cannot say that Chris Paul is a guy that brings a team down that they don't keep doing this. As you said, they were number two in New Orleans in 08. They were the number two seed. It just so happened they came up against a veteran team, but number two seed did it with, with Tyson Chandler. David West. Mo Pete, David, those that understand things, you know, those CEOs, when they hear people talking out the side of their neck, they don't react. They don't be like, oh, this is preposterous. This is not. No. They just sit there and they go, mm-hmm. See, an intelligent person don't open his mouth for you to understand that he's intelligent. Mm -hmm. But that fool got his mouth Mm -hmm. running all day, every day, and you know exactly where he stands.
0: Right. Last thing I want to ask before we get out of here. I'm going to try to make this quick, but it may not be quick and I understand. You've spent a decent time around Philly and what's going on with the Sixers, you know, mostly with the previous regime. But if you're Joel Embiid, why aren't you walking upstairs and saying, Either he got to go or I got to go. You can pick your he that you decide. I'm thinking of James (laughs) Harden, right? Like, I'm on James Harden. Like, yo, if he's coming back, I got to go, man. (laughs) See,
1: but when it comes to accountability, that's a lost art in this game with a lot of guys. A lot of guys don't want that smoke because if I go upstairs and I say it's either him or him, then I have to bring it in a way where I'm showing my accountability to the organization that I am a leader, that I am this guy that we can build upon. He's just not that dude. And I say not that dude, not talking about the talent. No, we know that Joel Embiid is an amazing talent, but that individual that eats, drinks, and sleeps basketball that wants to be the best version of who he is so that he can have longevity in this game. The guy that comes in and says, you know what? Hey, I changed my diet. Why do you look so good? Because I'm exercising more, because I'm studying film. I'm getting guys to go somewhere. We're going to all get together and we're going to have a workout session because that's what leaders do. See, you have a day and age where guys have not experienced things so much, Bomani, and they don't know to go and do something like that. They say, man, that ain't my problem. No, but it is when you are the face of the organization. This team will go as far as you allow it to go. And this is also, see, for me, I go to this, Bomani. I go to the fact that, all right, you threw Ben Simmons under the bus. The coach threw Ben Simmons under the bus. Now, now what's going on? Where is anyone going to say, hey, man, we don't need to do that? If anything, I mean, Tobias Harris? You know, he's been solid for him, but he can only do so much. We got to be more accountable. And it's just not in them to do those things because you see what happens. Everybody want to point the finger. That's your teammate, man, no matter what. That's your teammate until he's no longer your teammate.
0: I wonder, especially Joel being like 27, 28, like at that age, if this is the offseason for a certain breakthrough because Simmons was a problem. Like I was okay with the way they dealt with Simmons, I thought he needed to go. But I imagine if Simmons goes and then you bring in another problem, that's the point where you look at yourself and you got to be like, I guess I do have to do everything. You know what I mean? Like, like, like you yeah. get to a place where you're just kind of like, okay, this really is mine because they just went and got one of the greatest players of all time and I'm still way better than him. Okay, I guess it's on me.
1: Well, but it's always been that way. You got to remember early on, I, I think, again, where is the appreciation for the Philadelphia organization from Joel? Those years where he was hurt and didn't play those years, how is it that Brett Brown was able to make things work? It seems. And all of a sudden you get another, someone else gets in. Now you got issues with Ben Simmons, all the stuff that just kind of, it really made me say, well, damn, I guess Brett did a great job there. If this wasn't the narrative during that time. And so it was always about trusting that process, trust the process. And now, Joel, the process is about you. You have to be that guy that is able to get everyone to the point where they say, that's our leader. And I just don't feel like that's what guys feel about Joel. Guys are still on their own. I love Maxie. And the fact, his spirit, he's, he's in the gym all the time. The thing with him, they're like, hey, man, take some time off. i have yet to hear them say something like, yeah, you know, Joel's been in the gym, man. We got to tell him to go home.
0: <laughs> nope. Bruce Bowen, my man. Thank you, dog. Been good. Hey, man, we might have to do this again before this whole thing wraps up. And I want you to note, we've done okay. this whole thing for 51 minutes. I ain't said nothing. I, and I watched that game last night, and they went to the video when Adebayo was boxing out Robert Williams, and they came back, and they called a flagrant foul. And I did not even come back and ask you if they call that TV the Bowen Cam. You know what I'm saying? Because if they'd have had the Bowen Cam back in the day, dog, you'd have been so famous. Really? You'd that's, have been so a, famous. You, you know, know you'd have been so famous. They'd have been they'd have been going and double and triple checking <laughs> your work every game on the Bowen Cam. We need accountability at all levels
1: now. I see, boys. <laughs> I see. I just, I mean, everything can't be a flagrant, man. <laughs> everything can't be a flagrant. I hate wow. it so much.
0: I hate it so much. Come
1: on. And then, I mean, if you're going to get on that,
0: how about all the
1: on traveling? I watched on Instagram. Steph ran, grabbed the ball, took two steps, and then dribbled, and no one, the only one that was like, hey, hey, was the defender. He's like, he, he's traveling. The fact that, I think they don't want to put so much responsibility on the officials because you got to be good in this game to understand what's going on. Yeah, you might miss some calls, but a rip-through, that's, hey, you're going up to shoot. No matter what, you got to reward the guy for that so that guy better play some better defense. Now, so smart play at at halftime against Milwaukee, he's shooting that. (laughs) What's the difference in that and a rip-through? Right. And then you have a situation where it's an and one. They, nope, nope, nope. It was on the ground. The whole point of getting to the NBA was that you were going to get more and ones than you did in high school and college. We got We just we just need to put everybody in the classroom for a while.
0: Professor Bowen, man, I, I'll see if I can get us some funding from the class, man. But hey, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Thanks for joining us on YouTube. We do this three times a week. Gabe Bassane and Adi Khan handle things behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Also, remember the book club starting June 13th, King of the World by David Remnick. Check it out. We'll get into that. Rate us. Review us. Give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And uh, also, our voicemail topic, when you had to bring it home, just like you just looked around, ain't nobody else hitting shots, I guess I got to bring it home. You let me know when that was your story, and I'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy.